Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Super, super welcome. We got a great show lined up for you today. Really great show. Why do I say that, Benny? Hi, Benny. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So you know why I say that? Uh, Do I say it every day? No. Like we had a really great show? Um, I mean, that's a given. If you want to, like, double it up, triple it up. I mean, we get it. It's a good show. Yeah. So, Benny. Um, do you remember uh, the day? How do you say back in the back day? Back in the day when I was back, a whippersnapper. And, and I was, you were the whipper, I was the snapper. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, that's whoa, a whole, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, a minute, wait nope. a minute, wait a minute. I do not but express re- the Remember views of when, <laughs> once upon a time, when you actually had to come to a studio to do a show, right? I still do, but. It doesn't right. apply to everyone, but yes. It doesn't. Uh-huh. But, you know, soon we'll get the technology so that I can come to the studio and still do these other things, right? right? Mm-hmm. But remember when it was just like us and then our guests would come in, right? Yeah. So here's what I love about today's guests and today's topic. We, we don't really understand that even back then— how we sit in the chair, what we do, moving the mic, not moving the mic, turning our heads, slouching over, we don't really understand the messages that that sends. Now, I would just say that for me, my corporate experience, and believe it or not, I was an executive in corporate America. And one of the things that I learned, especially as one of the people that broke up the phone company, right, Benny? One of seven that did that. And then I was asked to come over and put it back together. Boom. Boom. If you want to learn something about how to get people to do what you want, you could either do that by kind of like taking a shot in the dark, kind of guessing, or you could listen to this show today. Get people to do what you want, right? Get people to do that. Uh, And when I say that, and I think about the folks that wrote this book, you're going to meet them, Marianne and Greg, going to meet them, going to meet them today. And I think about this, and I think about what we don't know, and I also think about what an executive from – a major uh, airplane company said to me not too long ago, now in the digital world, nobody pays attention to expression. Nobody pays attention to what pe- what's in people's eyes. No, dot, 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 dot. I said, I don't think that's true. I think 
that if you now more than ever are not paying attention, not paying attention to how you're showing up in the world, even if it's on that little two and a half by, well, my phone's gigantic, two and a half by six or seven inch screen, you are going to be in some serious trouble because today, today, we have the authors of the book, Get People to Do What You Want, How to Use Body Language and Words for Maximum Effect. Welcome to both of you. And I want to do something I've never done before because it's part of what I do and it's going to lead in to what um, we're talking about today. But I want to thank you, Marianne and Greg. Thank you both for joining me here today. All right. Here's what I want to do that's a little bit different. And and I said that you're going to come back and we're actually going to do a, a Zoom show. Usually what I do is I, I, I read your bios, I introduce your names. But here's the thing I want to do today. And this is something that is part of what you also talk about. I would love for each of you to do this. Are you, can, you, are you willing to play with me for a minute? Sure. Sure. All right. So... Here it is. I want you each to say your name and then, hi, I'm Dr. Pat Basile. And I get most excited in life when I'm doing this. Do you want to play this? Want to play this game? And then I'll tell you why after. You ready? Who wants to go first? Marianne, I'll let you go first. I love that. Hi, I'm Marianne Carinch. And I'm Dr. Pat's what? I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that, Marianne. Uh, Marianne Carinch, joining me here today, one of the authors. Greg, how about you? Yeah, I'm Greg Hartley, and I get most excited when I see people learn what they can do with, with just a little bit of knowledge because we've blunted all of what we're talking about today. Awesome. And the reason I wanted to do that, because so often when we do a show like this, and it's just audio, right? I spend a lot of time and I talk about you and then I introduce you and people don't hear you, the expression of introducing yourself and who you are. And after I read your book, I read your book. So, okay. Are you shocked that I read your book? We're, we're happy. Okay. We're We're, we're grateful. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I'm going to pull from, from one of the sections in the book. It is this section the new bell curve. How unique are you? And so a lot of times we forget that this show and you showing up beyond writing a fantastic book, there's a uniqueness of the energy that you bring forward. And a lot of times, Benny, a lot of times, Benny, I'm going to start doing this for all the shows. A lot of times I translate my energy of you without you having an opportunity of doing that. And I just wanted to take a page from your playbook. Thanks. What, what I think is interesting about something you just said, we're all unique and we all got here by, if you think about a bell curve in the old way you learned in school, so that you're on the left or the right or in the center, that's part of what we talk about, but you're on many bell curves. Your bell curves are associated with people that you went to school with that you still keep in touch with, with family, with coworkers, with people you do whatever your hobby is and those bell curves make you a very I'm, I'm about to say something i would never say make you a unique person every person in the world is a little different than the other for that very simple reason 
And understanding where a person's at there can help you fulfill that person or fulfill yourself in the process. Uh, Marianne. Yes. Did, did I get, catch you a little off guard? I didn't mean to. No, you didn't catch okay. me off guard. Okay, no, cool. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I, I want to talk about a couple of things here. Each of you, and you both you both came together to write this book. And here's what I've learned in 16 years and about 9,000 interviews. This is the one thing I've learned. Underneath every book is a story. And a story about a spark that ignited each of you to bring this forward. I like to start out. I would love to know from you, Mary Ann Ferris. What was the spark? And the reason I asked this question, because you're also the author of How to Spot a Liar, right? right. Um, there had to be, if you spent any time in a corporate America or an organization or, or like you, Greg, Navy SEALs, whatever that is, there's some things that you've seen. And somehow along the way, you said, oh, boy, we got to help people with this. What was that, Marianne? You first, then Greg. Right. When Greg and I first connected, we found that there was a clarity in the way we communicated. We just understood um, the, 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 the language that we were using, the, in, the priorities that we had in what we wanted to communicate, all matched. And that had to do with caring, really deeply caring about help, helping other people communicate well, helping them understand body language, help them, helping them not get duped by liars, uh, mm. sort of, we were de both dedicated to helping people get better at, and, and have richer lives, just, yeah. just get better at living. So that from there, our relationship evolved, and we went from How to Spot a Liar to uh, books about body language, and then we realized Greg has a background in psychology as well as um, his military background and yeah. 20 years now of, of corporate background. Yep. So his background in psychology was leading him to think of things like Maslow's hierarchy, and that's mm. how we got to get people to do what you want. Wow. So glad we're having this chat today. We are going to have so much fun. Greg, talk to me. Should I call you Gregory or Greg? Uh, Greg. Greg is actually uh, what everyone calls me. So, yeah, like Marianne said, we met through a mutual friend, and I actually had left the military after 20 years and decided to go into corporate America. And we, a friend kept telling me the things you use at work, the way you communicate, the way you persuade people to do things, all those tools are invaluable you need to write. And I kept telling him, nah, 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 I don't, I don't really have time to learn to write a book. So he connected me with Marianne, and we just immediately, we, we connected. Marianne has a way of working with people that is, it, it's difficult to, to work with military people often because of the way we think and the way we operate. And Marianne was just a natural fit. So we started with that How to Spot a Liar book, and it was uh, when you do that first book, I remember Marianne telling me, this will not be the only book. Just write it with all your heart. And it was about helping people understand when they're being managed, when they're being worked. And it was a way to give something back to people. And then, of course, the books came and came and came. So Marianne and I have been together for 15 years through 10 books. Wow. We say often, you know, we've been – together longer than most marriages last. <laughs> it's been one of those really good, productive <laughs> things for us. And we've written about just about any behavioral topic you could think of and probably have a couple of others left. We want to share some things. You know, I, you, you said military, and Marianne mentioned I've been in corporate America for 20 years, and I'm an executive in a company. 
what I learned after I left the military is as, as valuable as everything I learned in my days of interrogating and working in the intelligence field, because people are driven by the same things. And if you wake up in the morning and put your feet one foot in front of the other, you're driven by the same thing as the person next to you. It's just a matter of the nuance of that. And we can help. So we keep trying. Wow. You know, I didn't introduce all of everything I could. For example, um, one of the things, Marianne, I've, I've learned about you is beyond being passionate about having each of us understands the absolute potentiality and influence we can have in the world. Because I think for me, that's when I, I don't mean to minimize your work, but the sense I get uh, is that there are things we could learn so that we can have positive influence in the world and we just don't know it. And both of you, when I look at all the books, I said to Linda, I know we're going to interview him on this book, but can we can we get him back to talk about this book? And then I saw how many books you wrote. And I said, man, I got to have these people on at least once a month. Uh, <laughs> We'd love to. <laughs> we would. We'd love it. Here's why. Oh, and Benny, do you mind if we skip the break? Cool by me. Benny and I have been together going on 16 years. So I totally get the whole, this is going on almost the longest relationship I've ever had. I don't know about Benny. But there's something in relationships, whether it's in work, whether it's in our lives, whether it's in social media, what you both help people learn it's almost a lost art. And I think that your work right now today, even though you probably have been doing this for a decade, it has never been more important than it is today. And here's the question I'd like to ask each of you. How has the world changed in a way that you see your body of work now being important, more important, so people don't, one, make decisions that's not based on information that's pertinent, and two, help us understand the deeper parts of humanity. So, Greg, do you want my, to take that first? Or? Yeah, I'll take it first, Marianne. So from my point of view, this digital age is probably the most powerful impact on humanity ever. Today, you can't escape your bully. You can't escape the inputs. And humans are very simple creatures. At the same time, we're so complex. When I say we're very simple, we need to belong, and we need other people to tell us that we're good at something, or we're pretty, or we're smart, or we're fast, or we're something. And that esteem that comes with belonging to a group is a powerful positive and negative force. In the positive way, if you get the right inputs, you grow, and you blossom, and you flower, and you all those good things. On the mm -hmm. negative side, that constant input about being stupid or slow or whatever the, the derogatory is pushes you back down and makes you belong, but belong at the very bottom, which is not mm -hmm. good for a human. So the problem today is that those inputs can come from everywhere. Those, in, You know, we talk about marketing impacting people over years, and we talked yeah. about a little bit in this book and how it influences self-image. But imagine when in the past you had a group of marketers doing it, and today – you have thousands of people who can do it. All your Facebook friends, and I've used quote marks in the air, all of your LinkedIn connections, anyone in there can make you feel less than superior, less than, than middle of the road, or as we would call it typical. And all those things have a tremendous impact. If you don't know that's what's happening to you, 
you can lose power very quickly in your personal life. My perspective takes off, I think, from that mm. in that the digital aspect of what we're dealing with every day is absolutely significant, just as Greg said. And I tend to look a little bit more at how people respond to that emotionally. There's a huge amount of frustration uh, at looking at just black and white letters or whatever color you're using on your screen and, and seeing that your primary communication with some people is kind of cold. Um, but at the same time, what they say in that communication can make you hot. It can make you angry. It can make you happy. And so there's a lot of emotion going on. And when we look at our political situation, we can see that emotion just bubbling up. I mean, we're just bleeding all of the, this feeling about, like, listen to me, please listen to me. And so in trying to understand each other as human beings and trying to read each other, there's so, there's so much of there's the cold and then there's the hot. And I just see that contrast as being so difficult in our daily lives to trying to create a balance and to really connect with people in a healthy way. Uh, I, I would agree with yeah, thank, thank you. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if I could add one thing. I, I think yeah. what Marianne just did, it, we're seeing play out all around us. It, yeah. Whether it's politics or it's something yep. else, this yep. polarization is brutal, and it, yep. it, it's unfair to people. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I think that when I think about this, recently I've I, – um, uh, so long story short is uh, one of my folks stumbled upon – my uh, dissertation work I did. Uh, now I have to tell you, and I'll just say this really quickly. I studied something that was so painful, both at the quantitative, but also the qualitative perspective. I have 1200 pages of interview notes. And when I was done, I had to do postdoctorate research on it because it was so important and never been looked at before that way. It depressed me beyond, beyond. And I buried the research, I buried the book. And only recently did one of my folks find it and bring it out. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because of what you both just shared. So I studied the consequences of broken promises for 10 years, better known as psychological contract violation. And when I read your book, what I was really struck by is we're living in a day and age where people think that promises don't matter anymore, but they do. And I was reading your book and I thought, wow, if we can't believe the words somebody says and our future and our livelihood, especially in the workplace, if we're getting mixed messages from the verbal perspective how can we learn things so that we really understand the message? Do, 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 do you know what I mean, Marianne? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. There, there are many levels to understanding a message. And it requires a, a, the kind of attention that we, some, maybe it's been eroded because mm -hmm. of what's going on in our daily lives. But, but I do understand your point was amazing. I mean, very powerful about broken promises. That's, I'd love to hear you talk more about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
I have had more, uh, well, you're a literary agent, so you understand. I have had more a literary agents say to me, Pat, you've got to write the book Broken Promises. You have to write that book. And I have to tell you that I'm warming up to it now because when I went back and I looked at this book and I remember my defense, I was struck by what your book and exactly what I learned now looking back about body language. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is this comment, and I'd love for each of you to speak about it because you talk about it in the book. Friend of mine said to me, don't waste your time worrying, Pat, about whether you're charismatic or not. It's a lost art. It's never going to matter. We live in a digital world. It's not going to happen the way it used to. And here's what happened to me when my friend said that. And at the same time, she was saying, you're also very charismatic. But the bottom line, Pat, it's not going to matter. I thought, that's not true. That can't be true. And then I read your book. How has charisma changed and how will it change? And what I mean by the question is, how will the way we are as either being charismatic in the digital age or not, how will that change our ability to influence? Uh, Greg, who wants, Greg, do you want to go first on that? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the biggest problem with mm-hmm. the digital age is you don't know what you're actually dealing with. I'll give you a couple of stories. My brother, okay. who is still, still dating at 50, has uh, been dating online, and he met this woman he thought was phenomenal, charismatic mm-hmm. as she could be online. They met and hardly said four words to each other. They both liked each other online and didn't like each other away. I think there's a certain amount of anonymity that allows people to do things they would not more, not do, and they can demonstrate value in a different way online. These people who are influencers and that kind of thing, all, all the things that people can do to demonstrate value online is a new art, right? The old art, a lot of it had to do with natural ability, a lot of it had to do with demonstrated value. And we talk about a formula for charisma in the book where you first have to demonstrate yeah. value so the person wants to get to know you. And the, the skill set of being a digital person who can demonstrate value and a face-to-face person are very different. Using your voice, using your body, using those things that we normally do was one image. And now there are people that I would venture to say are very different than what you would call charismatic in your past life. I think it's going to continue to evolve. But I also think the human capital piece, that human piece of talking and touching and making contact with somebody is always going to be valuable. It's simply mm-hmm. a matter of which market you're in. Wow. Yeah. Well, Marianne, how about you? Well, as Greg said, we did talk about ways to create charisma, you know, the steps to creating it. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned demonstrate value is the number one. Well, the number two, to flow off of what he was saying, is recognize opportunity. There are different ways that you recognize opportunity, whether you're face-to-face, you're on the telephone, you're doing some kind of digital communication that's just written. There are different, uh, you can recognize opportunities because they surface in a different way. Facebook is an opportunity, but when you're face-to-face with a person, then you can see all kinds of nuances that you may not get from a Facebook interaction, for example. 
Yeah. I, I mean, uh, there's so much in your book. Uh, where I, what I'd love to do is I'd love to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the tools that you've outlined here in the book. But one thing in very, very important that I that I really I, I put a big sticky note in the book on it. And it's and I'll just say the phrase and we can talk about it when we come back. The body speaks the mind's thoughts. The body speaks the mind's thoughts. When we come back, we're going to talk about this and one of my favorite topics along the line that has to do with these tools to get what you want. Trust. That's it. That's the thing. Trust or mistrust. Do we know it intuitively? Is it because people don't look you in the eye? All of this is in this amazing book, and we have two copies to give away, everybody. When we come back, we'll make sure you can find out more about both Greg and Marianne. We'll tell you how to get a copy of the book. And with Benny, we'll have two copies to give away when we come back from break. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. And by the way, if you have any questions, you know how to reach us, 1-800-930-2819. We'll be right back. Tap into the wisdom of animals, angels, and masters with Darcy Pariso on Animal Soul Wisdom Radio. Tune in monthly as Darcy brings insights on how to better understand and deepen our relationships with animals. Working with light and pureness of ancient techniques, Darcy, healer, animal communicator, and medium is here to guide you through this process and provide inspiration to move forward. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. Optimize your breast cancer screening without any radiation or pain. Effective, sensitive, and widely used thermal imaging in Europe is now available to you here in the U.S. Using state-of-the-art FDA-approved camera, Eastside's first and only breast thermography clinic is now open in Bellevue. Safe, sensitive, low cost, no referrals needed. Contact Holistique Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or on the web, drdarvish.com. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? Feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Some people dream of freedom before they know it even once. 
What happens when we find ourselves in unimaginable freedom? Retired, children are grown, we've moved on from caregiving, and don't know what to do with all that time you never had before. Well, it's your life. It's up to you now. On the hit new show, Fresh Courage, it's your time to shine with host Sharon Rolfe on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. And Mr. Benny, let us go ahead and give uh, let's give a copy of the book away uh, right now to one of our fabulous listeners. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. This book is called Get People to Do What You Want. And it includes tactics on how to guard against manipulation, but more than that, it's also about how to use body language and words for maximum effect. Um, before we jump to the body speaks, the mind's thoughts, uh, would each of you mind letting folks know how they can find out more about you, your websites, uh, and how they can get a copy of the book? Marianne, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, my personal website is Carinch.com, that's K-A-R-I-N-C-H.com, and I uh, have a, another website where you can learn a lot about me, and it's RudyAgency.com, R-U-D-Y-Agency.com, because I'm also a literary agent. So, if you want that to personal, then there's also the, you know, the other part of my life, which is the kind of books that, that I like to, to bring to other people who buy other authors. So that's that's basically it. I have a, I do Twitter, and it's Marianne Carinch is my my Twitter handle. So, yeah, uh, I would welcome any interaction. And awesome. getting the book is uh, yeah, it's it's from well, you get it on Amazon. You can get it at bookstores, and our publisher, Red Wheel Wiser, the imprint is Career Press. Thank you, thank you, Greg. How about you? Yeah, my I have. Two web pages as well. Um, GregoryHartley.com is my personal web page, and then I have a business page as well. Where I produce some body language videos called BodyLanguageTactics.com, and the, my Twitter. Unlike Marianne, my my name is more common, so I have one Greg Hartley is my Twitter handle, and then Marianne give you all the best for the book. And Marianne also is is as she said writes plenty of books and has the Rudy Agency and would tie together through that as well. Wow. Thank you. Um, there are many things I could really talk about, but I, I do want to talk about uh, in the in when you talk about the tools. One of the things I was really struck by is this uh, chapter or this section of the book where you talk about the body speaks the mind's thoughts, and if we simply were to absorb that idea, I think just the very nature of that we'd be more mindful of things. But I would love to hear from each of you um, about this particular part of the book. And from your perspective, what do you see are the greatest uh, potholes that people step in around this? Who would like to go first? Greg, would you like to go first? Sure. Sure, that'd be great, Pat. Thank you. Um, so number one is everyone thinks they can tell a person is lying to them. I'll give you a few myths. Yeah. Everyone thinks they can tell a person is lying to them because they move their eyes around, which is actually probably one of the worst indicators possible. If I ask you a few questions, I'll force your eyes to move around in your head as you think of the answers. And just I'm not going to try to teach you anything. Just that your eyes move when you think. 
What's mm-hmm. the fifth word of the Star Spangled Banner, for example? You think about those lyrics, you'll find your eyes drifting, most likely to your left and slightly up. And then if you start to think about directions from your house to the nearest Wendy's, you'll find your eyes going to a new place in your head. And we talk about those in the book, and we talk about those in other books. But your eyes move when you're thinking. It's one of those things we know happens, and we can even use it to baseline and get a normal for you. People who are lying to you want to pay really close attention to what, whether you're catching on or not. So often they will pay really close attention and rivet their eyes to yours. So there's one myth. Others like crossing your arms mean you're closing someone out. All of those myths that we have Mm. learned through life that we carry with us, when in fact every person's communication style, spoken, written, body language, and everything else, is like a fingerprint. You need to learn what's normal for the person. Maybe they cross their arms just to think. So you need to figure out what's normal for the person and look for a baseline. And there are a handful of absolutes, but very few. Wow. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, when I met my best friend's mo- mother in like, I don't know what year was that, uh, 1973, I think I, I met Linda's mom and I, I grew up, I had a really tough childhood growing up. I was homeless at 17. So I didn't have a whole lot that I felt really good about for myself. And I remember meeting Joan for the first time and I walked into their house and Linda said something like, Patty, this is my mother. Joan, this is Patty. And I never looked up. I never looked up. And Joan said to me in the way that only Joan could, and believe me, Linda's parents literally took the place of my parents because I really didn't have parents, you know. And so Joan Joan took my chin, pushed my chin up, looked me in the eye and said something very simple. Anybody that comes in my house, they have to look me in the eye. <laughs> good, good advice, right? And, and I felt like I wanted to die. Now, why was that? Because I think what Joan realized is that I was a little broken. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel like I belonged in that house. Um, is, are things like that indicators? They certainly are. And I can tell you, for example, with pride, you rise, your, your chin will rise. You know, remember that my expertise comes from interrogating prisoners many years uh, ago. Uh-huh. When someone, when someone, and that's a dark word to everyone who hears it, but what you should hear is that most everything that I did was associated with body language and behavior, not the modern visions of Abu Ghraib and that kind of thing. I've taught mm-hmm. on course of interrogation up until 2000. And what we knew is that, for example, when a person is ready to confess, their chin drops to cover their throat in shame, and they will uh. not show their throat. When they're feeling prideful, they'll raise their chin. So there's some things associated with human beings around protecting our throat, protecting our genitals, those kinds of things. They're normal, and mm-hmm. that's just part of how we're wired, and that's deep in our psyche. Some of it is learned, and it's behavior and that. And if you've been breaking eye contact for a while, it just became normal for you, Pat. And then it, it sometimes takes someone leaning over and saying, it's okay, and giving you the, the opportunity to change that because yeah. we all want we all want to send the best message, but sometimes we're not aware we're not sending it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a couple of things, because I want to give some people tools. And I want to thank you both for being generous uh, with uh, giving copies of the book. They're already gone. Um, I, I want to ask you this question. 
what are the more common, and let me use the word mistakes, mistakes that people make about body language that they use or reading body language from, and I bet each of you have stories. I think, Greg, thank you. I've, Greg, I can imagine you have like a million stories. Uh, Maria, what would you say something you learned and you said, oh, really? That? <laughs> um, well, let's think about a photograph. It's just that this is flowing off of something that Greg just said um, about some of the ways that we just automatically pull in and, and, and do certain things that, you know, because of triggers. Greg once called me and he said, hey, take a look at the picture I just sent you. And it was a picture of Condoleezza Rice and standing very calmly, not doing anything assertive, just very calmly, and she was surrounded by a lot of men. Every single one of those men happened to have their hands crossed over their genitals. And wow. I thought... Wow, wow, what does that say? You know, so that was a big aha mo- mo- moment for me because wow. now when I look at somebody in a crowd, um, I can see who is being deferred to, um, who is kind of taking a leadership position, who's being deferential, uh, who's being respectful. And, and it's really interesting. I look at crowds now, or look at that kind of configuration, or something like a presidential primary, you know, um, a group of people on a stage, and I look at them very differently now, and I say, oh, I get it. This one really is in charge here. So wow. I'll, I'll, give you a really, I'll give you a really good tool to use, something yeah, that yeah. we've all been through. So yeah. every person on this radio show has, has met some or seen someone that they know, and the person doesn't recognize them. Even though they have the right words, you know they don't recognize you. Yeah. Or <laughs> you don't recognize someone, and you may say all the right words, and they still know you didn't recognize them. It's because we have a thing called an eyebrow flash, a forehead flash, and anytime you see someone you know, your brows immediately rise and drop. It's an amazingly powerful bonding tool that we all use, and we don't even realize we're using it every day. And as an example, I've had people who claim not to know each other who committed a crime together, have one in the room, one come by and watch them raise their brows. Now you want to talk to both of them. So it's, it's just an innate thing that we do. And there are people, of course, who don't, you know, people on the Asperger's, uh, far in the spectrum, and Asperger's sometimes don't do it, but almost all people use their brow to signal recognition. Mm-hmm. That happened to so, me in the grocery store the other day. I could not remember the person's name, but she realized that, that I knew who she was, and so she made a few references that gave me 30 seconds to trigger oh, I know who that is, you know, and I was able to remember her name and how we were connected and all of that, even though I haven't seen her in many years. So that was, but she picked up on that. Just, she just knew. You know, this is so funny um, because I, uh, I stuttered when I was a kid, right? And I mean, I had a, seriously, I, when I look back now and I think about some of like my characteristics as a kid, I could understand why folks put me in different categories based on reading your book and what you're talking about. And it's, it's, it's that brow thing, right. That you just mentioned. I will have a stare sometimes. Linda talks about this and it's as almost as if the lights are on, but nobody's home. 
And that's not the reality of it. My brows, my brow doesn't go up. And at one point in time, uh, one of the doctors that I was sent to thought that I was in the spectrum, right? The Asperger's spectrum Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, for a lot of reasons, right? And I, and I, I was finally categorized as learning different. That's the politically correct term now, right? <laughs> For learn, you're learning different. Okay, but that's not what we used to say. We used to say she's slow, she can't do this, she doesn't do that. And so my, my learning di- thing is this, and it affects my body language. So I wanted to talk to you both about it because I hadn't thought about it until you just said that about the brow. So we talk a lot about internal focus versus external. Often when people go to an internal focus, their eyes will break contact. Now, some people don't break contact, meaning their eyes don't move left or right. They simply break contact and go to internal conversation, and their (laughs) eyes go blank to the rest of the world. That's just a different (laughs) way, and it's a different baseline, and it's a thumbprint, right? Mm -hmm. You look for that by asking questions. In my days of doing this, I would ask questions I knew the answer to, like, hey, where were you when, on Tuesday, you know, if I know the answer? And the person answers, and then I know what's normal. Where do they normally go for internal conversation? If I oh, ask a question it. that causes them to do something else, then I want to know why, right? Because their brain is punctuating what they're thinking. They're using their body. We all know that if, if you watch someone who is on a Bluetooth headset in a room talking, they're still gesturing with their hands and punctuating what they're thinking, because our brain doesn't care if we have receivers or not, we're still going to punctuate what we think. Mm. Well, I was uh, a teacher, and if yeah. you ever want to see blank stares, you should be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I did have the opportunity to teach during my uh, at the tail end of my doctoral program. That's what I realized teaching was not for me. But what for do me. you observe, <laughs> what, to, to, Marianne? Tell me what the observation is. The observation is that there are some people who are looking around, doodling or whatever, and they're completely paying attention. They're auditory people. They're they're with you all the way. They like to doodle. Fine. Then there are other people who just look at you, and they're they seem to be very focused on what you're saying. And it's it's a blank slate. You know that they're internally focused. It's something that you can recognize as, like, there's a conversation. They're thinking about um, going on a date this Friday or something else. They're thinking about something, but they're not thinking about the subject matter, about the literature that I'm trying to lecture on. So, yeah, so that you can, but a lot of it does have to do with uh, a primary sense. As I said, I had kids in my class who were very auditory, and I knew they weren't Mm -hmm. looking at me, but they were absolutely paying attention. Like, Greg is a very auditory person. And I imagine you might have been one of those kids, Greg, were you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, no doubt when you talk about kids who were whatever you're labeled, I, disruptive may be the word or whatever word for me as a kid because I did not necessarily, as, as Marianne says, I didn't necessarily look. I, I hear everything everyone says around me and not very visually oriented. Mm. So you can always tell that I can pay attention to other things while I'm listening to you talk. I, I prefer radio right. to TV, for example. And there, there was a woman that I, uh, who was a friend of mine that I worked out with at the gym who was not terribly visual. She was not terribly auditory, but she was very, very physical. She learned uh, in a kinesthetic sense. That's really how she, she commanded information in a kinesthetic sense. So her exercise techniques were perfect. She was an excellent athlete, but uh, she was not a reader. 
Uh, she didn't like listening to music. Very, very interesting person. I started to see people's access senses say a lot about like how you can communicate better with them once you recognize that. Um, you know, if I really want to get on Greg's good side, I'll send him a good playlist. Um, <laughs> music is very important. He's very auditory. Wow. I love this. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip the break. One of the things I did want to talk about, and you mentioned it earlier uh, in reference to Maslow's law and Maslow's hierarchy. Um, in the book, you talk about something that I have not heard before in this way, and it's called the mechanics of bonding and fracturing. And I would like to have a conversation with you about what that means, because for people that are listening, unless they've gotten your book, and I hope they do get the book, um, this is a very, very powerful uh, set of ideas to understand. And the way that you've talked about it and the way that you've illustrated it, I think is important because, see, I don't know if I'm right about this, but I think that this has an underpinning of judgment and evaluation. Can you, can you help me with this mechanics well, of bonding I, and fracturing? i tell you this. Um, that, that comes from 20 years of being an intelligence collector and then yeah. Marianne and I putting this book together. And what uh -huh. it really boils down to is human drives. And do you have to be judgmental to do it? No. What, what we really were looking at is Maslow is, you know, if you know Maslow's hierarchy, I'll, I'll just assume everyone doesn't. And mm -hmm. it starts with physiological needs, things like air and, and water and, and that. And then it moves from there to safety needs like shelter and clothing. And then from yeah. there to belonging, from belonging to esteem, and then from esteem to self-actualization. And I often say, you know, I, was, I worked with prisoners for a lot of years. You don't run into prisoners who are trying to self-actualize, who need air, food, or water. You're always dealing with people who need to belong and who need to differentiate themselves or make themselves feel like they're the prettiest in the room or the tallest in the room or that. So all, of, all you're playing with in, in your life mostly, most people's lives in corporate America, in school, wherever, is belonging to a group and then differentiating yourself. And those are the two primary focuses of belonging, of bonding and fracturing. So bonding, I can put someone more effectively into a group. We all know a kid who went through a hard time in school, a kid who mm -hmm. may have stuttered or may have had some reason that people made fun of them and pushed them outside, a teacher who can show how much like the rest of the group that person is, is bonding that person to the group and fulfilling that person's needs to make wow. them more whole and be able to then move into the esteem building part. Because if all they get is battering, 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 they're never going to be able to create any kind of esteem. And so then once you got you have them in, that's the bonding piece. You can use it also in the other direction when someone is too big a fish for their pond or who is too arrogant or too tough or you know, has shown how much cooler, how much better they are than their peers, you can point out how much like their peers they are and push them back into the group. The fracturing piece you can use when a person really has outgrown the group and doesn't really know they've outgrown the group, big fish in a little pond, to help show them how different they are from the group to start with so they find a new group and they grow again. You can also use that fracturing piece to show how much smarter that person who you helped get into the group in the beginning is than other people perceive. And good teachers do that every day. Good people and you know, in the military, people do it all the time corporate good leaders do that every day it's 
I always say anything we write that you go, oh, I get that. That means we did a good job because mm-hmm. this is stuff that took me 20 years to figure out in the military. And I always say maybe I'm just a slow learner. <laughs> um, well, look, uh, I, I know we've got a few minutes left. And so I want to make sure that folks know one more time, first of all, how they can find out more about each of you. Uh, also, how they can get a copy of the book. So, Marianne, would you would you please go first? Sure. Uh, best way to find out about me is it's uh, at Carinch dot com, K A R I N C H dot com, or Rudy Agency, R U D Y Agency dot com. Um, Twitter, Marianne Carinch, and I I don't tweet a lot, but hopefully it's stuff that you'll find interesting, provocative, and that you might want to respond to. And other than that, you can get the book from, we can get it online from the usual sources, and you can get it in bookstores, and Red Wheel Wiser is our publisher, and the imprint is Career Press. So you can go to careerpress.com. Thank you. Awesome. Greg, how about you? Yeah, I'm at gregoryhartley.com or at bodylanguagetactics.com. My Twitter is onegreghartley. And Marianne, of course, being the much smarter about publishing than me, has covered where we get the book. Good. Okay. For the last minutes we have left, here's what I'd like to ask each of you. Um, What I would like to leave with our listeners today is a tool or a tip, something that, you know, you could share with them that they could either do or be aware of right now uh, in order to help help get people to do what they want. Uh, And I know there's so much in the book, but I also know that this is a go-to book. There are a lot of tools in it, a lot of ways that people can learn. I'd like to know from each of you, uh, and let's start with you, Greg, what would that be? What could we leave folks with and say, look, if you do this today, you'll get better at this? Yeah, so most people are really bad at arguing because they present their argument (laughs) front. I often say nod and listen and listen to everything the person has. You might find points of agreement, and if you don't, you'll know exactly what their argument is before you start fighting. Fights start when you don't allow the other person the opportunity to, to tell you what they disagree with. Oh, boy. I know I know that one all too well. I, I play a sport. You're going to relate to this, Marianne. I play a sport, table tennis sport. Uh-huh. And boy, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to take that little tip that Greg just gave me right there later on today when I go play. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Uh, well, my hot tip is drop your barriers because it inspires trust, uh, because you look vulnerable. So if you are, if there's something between you and another person that you're trying to build a trusting relationship with, or it's, if it's your arms or a phone or anything, if there's something between you and the person, then you're creating a barrier between you and the person, and you're inhibiting a way of connecting. You're just in, you're, drop the barriers, let yourself look a little vulnerable, and you invite that person into your space. Wow. Um, yeah, I can't thank you both enough. And like I said, I would love to get you uh, uh, all to come back uh, when we can do a, a Facebook live show, uh, a Zoom show. Um, one last question I have for each of you. Uh, again, thank you for, for really, thank you for helping with this. a pleasure. Yeah. Last question is, 
what is your personal message? What would, what, what would each of you like to leave us with today? What I would like to leave people with is open-mindedness. That mm-hmm. one thing that learning the reading body language and then working with Greg has taught me is don't make assumptions about a person's meaning, a person's emotional state, or anything like that. Just don't make assumptions. Pay attention and be open-minded and use all of the tools that you have to understand exactly what is going on as opposed to what you think might be going on. Mm. Wow, thank you. Greg, how about you? Yeah, I think mine ties on nicely to Marianne's. I think we all spend a tremendous amount of time in our life trying to learn how to use gadget X, Y, or Z. We're in a digital age where the latest gadget gives you lots of opportunity. And people leave behind the most primitive and powerful tools that we own. And they're all baked into our bodies. They're all baked into our our behaviors relating to other people. If you just open your eyes and listen and pay attention, you can learn so much about yourself and the other person by using a handful of tools. Wow. I want to thank you both for, for today. And, you know, it's like you said, some people like the egg whites and some people like the yolks. (laughs) <laughs> neither is right and neither is wrong uh i usually i usually end the show a uh, show like this by saying sometimes you're the windshield sometimes you're the bug <laughs> you know pat you're a treat you're a what you are a real treat and i i hope that your listeners always know that they remember that we've done well, a lot of shows thank you for this one this is fun yeah well thank you and thank you for agreeing to come back when we can we can literally demonstrate how I stare at a screen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you all. Hey, listen, everybody. There's so much in this book, and I want to thank the folks that called in. If you did not get a chance to receive a copy, please go ahead and buy it. Uh, Get people to do what you want, how to use body language and words for maximum effect. And trust me, there's much in here to learn, and it's easy Thanks to Greg and Marianne. Hey, everybody. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.